Welcome to episode 61 of Imperial Hearts. Imperial Hearts is a Star Wars podcast hosted by your friends Jamie and Dana. And uh, as you may or may not know, we talk about Star Wars TV shows, books, video games, comics, news, and all our feelings about it. And this week's slate of uh, topics is we got some news. We uh, have the latest issue of Screaming Citadel and our follow up on Afra. We caught yep. up. On, we caught up on Afra. Uh huh. And then um, a couple episodes of Clone Wars for our Clone Corner. And uh, then the finale of our discussion of Beth Revis's Rebel Rising. Yeah, and I think between all that stuff, there's we got a lot to cover tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, so. I'm excited to get started. Yeah, you've got some some news you've been sitting on. It's it's like it's just all little stuff. Okay. There's nothing like really stand out, but it's a bunch of little things that I wanted to mention. So, we just finished watching Clone Wars. I wanted to this is more for you. I don't know if this is for the viewer. Mm-hmm. But it's something I wanted to mention. The viewer might pick up on it too. The listeners. Or the right listener, you can't actually see us right now. I keep thinking you can. Um, so do you remember Chairman Papanoida? Uh. From the Clone Wars? Mm. Blue guy? Oh, like, Choochie's... Choochie's, like... Pal? Yeah. Sure, the, yeah. The, like, the older guy with, yep. with the beard. Yeah, and he was, like, an unexpected badass? Okay. <laughs> Dana's, like, okay, she's gotta... Wait for it. Okay. Okay, okay. she's gotta face. So, you know how sometimes directors have a self-insert character who they play. Sure, yeah. So this was the character that George Lucas played in, in Attack of the Clones. Oh! Right? Really? Yeah, and all of the kids, uh-huh. like the, the younger guy and the, the two girls that get kidnapped, mm-hmm. are based on his children. Oh, that's why they were so specific looking. That's why he was such a badass, is what I'm saying. Because George, <laughs> oh, no. George Lucas had involvement on Clone Wars. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? He's so like, this character has a whole backstory. Right. Unexpected badass dad. Yeah. And if, if you think about it, he had like the beard. Like, yeah, he kind of yeah, yeah. even resembled. But he was just like a handsomer version of George Lucas. Yeah, he's a handsomer yeah. version of Blue. Wow. But, but you, you can look up pictures of him in the like blue makeup. He play. It's like a background character, huh? That he plays, you know, because he wanted to, yeah, he, have that little cameo. Yeah, he wanted to have his Stanley. So that's why, like, it made so much more sense in context of yeah. like, like, why are we focusing on this old man and, and like, his why kids? Is this character so important. It's George Lucas. Whoa, that's hilarious. I thought so too. I thought that was amazing. Um. So just like little things. I don't know. So there's a few things. I don't know if we've talked about this mm. or maybe we have is that apparently Ian McDermott recorded lines for something. Oh, yeah. For season four of Clone of Rebels. It's not confirmed what it's for, though. Oh, I, I thought a couple weeks ago it was, it was season four of Rebels. Oh, is that what? Okay. I wasn't sure. So it's probably season four of Rebels then is what he recorded for. So that'll be interesting. Mm-hmm. How will that fit in? Will we get some, like, Thrawn yeah. Emperor scenes, maybe? We haven't seen the Emperor in Rebels at all. No. That would be cool. So, there's a lot of little Episode Eight marketing things mm. to do with, like, the toys and stuff. Okay. Oh, yeah. you What a good one you sent me. <laughs> yeah. So, the, the big one is the Lego stuff. Okay. So, they released the, the front pages of all the Lego sets. Mm-hmm. And, um... The big standout one is that there's a Snoke minifigure. Yeah. And he looks like a human. Yeah. He Well, I mean, like, we know he's not, but... We know he's not, but he looks like human size. And he's wearing, like, a gold robes. Mm-hmm. And, like, I don't know what to make of that. Didn't you say that the Chewbacca minifigure was also regular-sized? Yeah, people have brought that up. The Chewbacca minifigure is no taller than Han. Right. So he could still be plus sized, mm-hmm. like taller, like people. I think it's been described already that he's taller and it's yeah. been basically confirmed that he's not human, right? Mm-hmm. By Pablo. And um, it also, he also came with an evil BB-8. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, uh, 
BB9E or something, and it was all black, because, you know, that's how you can tell a droid is good or bad. And we were joking that that's the character we're not going to see in the movie. Exactly. He's the C2B5, or the Constable Zuvio. Constable Zuvio. Of episode 8. So Call, call it enough place your bets now on who's going to be the Zuvio. Yeah, and I think it'll be BB9E. I don't I, think that character's going to be in the movie. I think the character will be in the movie because we can't. It can't be exactly the same thing. It won't be the same like black right. droid. <laughs> yeah, true. But like, can you also imagine them just having a straight up evil BB-8? Unless, kind of. Unless it's BB-8 undercover. I've heard that BB-8 plays a significant role in this movie. Ooh. I hear there's like apparently JJ gave um, Ryan Johnson some advice. He was mm-hmm. like, "More BB-8." Nice. It's like add more BB-8. The audience fucking loves it. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. So, Every time I saw Force Awakens in theaters, BB-8's stuff got it slays. the best. Yeah. yeah. So so apparently there's more BB-8. Okay. Well, what if he's yeah? What if BB-9E is just BB-8 undercover, like Chopper did? Yeah. He's just like exactly. he's plated to look for a sort of. He's the son. Really he's the son of Triple Zero and um, B. What's the yeah, BT? B- <laughs> nice. So it's like, you know, we get all the sons and daughters. Yeah. BB-8 is the son of R2 and C-3PO, right? Right. Yeah, that makes sense. That's how it works. Yeah. Um, that's how droids work. Um, okay, what else? Oh, yeah. So apparently in the, all the marketing material, and this is confirmed by Pablo, too, is mm-hmm. like, they're calling the, the blue lightsaber is, is now Ray's lightsaber. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. In, And that's like... I mean, it's still Anakin's lightsaber, mm-hmm. but it's being called that in terms of all of the marketing materials, mm-hmm. which is interesting. I don't know. I mean, it means that she's not getting a new lightsaber. Yeah, and she's not giving it back to Luke. Yes, but it's like considered Ray's lightsaber, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Mm-hmm. It is interesting. Oh, I also have one more news that we didn't get to last week, I think, which was that Funko put out the product packaging for the Bodhi Pop. Oh yeah, we didn't mention that last week. I don't think so. That's I think we talked pretty about big it, news but for you. It is pretty big news for me. They have not yet announced where he's going to be available, so I hope he's not some weird made-up U.S. store exclusive, like Walgreens. Yeah, Walgreens doesn't exist. Yeah, fuck Walgreens. So uh, I hope he's just readily available, and I can buy him and put him on you a just shelf. Hope he's readily available. <laughs> Well, we know he's not because he's dead. Well, so. um, so speaking of dead guys, mm. segue. Uh, we just got our copies of uh, Attack of the Wills, Guardians of the Wills, Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. Um, and they're really cute. They're so cute. Yes, they're um, tiny little books. Apparently, there's a lot of new lore. Ooh. Like, apparently the story's pretty light, but the mm. lore is heavy. Mm. Like, it's a kid's book, but, like, they establish a lot of things about the Guardians and the Force. Cool. In there, apparently. So, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. People are saying really good things about it. Cool. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. We'll be reading it uh, next week. Yes, we will. And shit, I thought I had more news than that. I that's guess pretty good. It's like a, that's a little little bundles of news. That's nice. It's good news. Well, and we yeah. had that huge uh, info dump with um, Vanity Fair, so it yeah. makes sense that it was kind of light on news after that. Definitely, that was a big big media dump. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any news? For this week? Don't right. see any news. All right. Okay. Um, so I guess we'll go straight into. Afra, yeah. Let's Citadel. talk about let's talk about Afra. So we we read Afra issues five and six because mm-hmm. up until then we'd only read up to number four. Yeah. Um. So that's like the first arc. So, what were your thoughts on the whole the whole story? I thought it was pretty cute. You had some really interesting uh, insights about the tone that I think I w- I want you to share. Those were cool. Uh, yeah, well, I think it's interesting how, like, Kieran Gillen said before that Afra is, like, a, a take on Indiana Jones. Mm-hmm. And we have a lot of the same tropes in this story. We have, like, the the dad. 
Yeah. Which is kind of, it's a very similar plot to like The Last Crusade. Her character is very similar. Mm-hmm. They're like, it's it's a very Pulp Fiction adventure. Mm-hmm. Um, like they, they find this crystal and then there's like the ghost of a Jedi in a robot. Yeah. Or something, um, which felt very like both horror, but like pulpy horror, mm-hmm. almost like kind of like reading Hellboy or something. Yeah, or like that that kind of brand of um, like Cold War sci-fi, you know, where everything's yeah. like robots and in space and stuff. And I was just saying as we were finishing it, I'm like, this is such a good segue into the Screaming Citadel, which is also kind of horror themed. Yeah, um, and it was like. Yeah, her and her dad get into this old Jedi temple, and there's that, yeah, uh, Jedi consciousness, like, thousands of years ago got fused with this robot, and now the robot's gonna... Or it's not fused with... It's, like, it just controls all robots in the vicinity, right? right? Like, once they wake it up, it then, like, possesses all the robots. Right. And then it's, like, embedded in a crystal, and Aphra takes the crystal, and that's what she's offering to Luke in Screaming Citadel. Yeah. Because we had, uh, we weren't caught up yet. So we missed five and six. And then, okay, and here's what's frustrating, is like after six, then you're supposed to go to Screaming Citadel number one, and then Star Wars, you know, freaking 26 or whatever, and then back to Afra issue seven. But if you read like five, six, and skip to issue seven of Afra, it just doesn't make any sense. You're just, like, missing a huge chunk. No, it doesn't. So you you can't, like, go in order. It's very dumb. No. I mean, I think if you're at the comic book store, they say, like, Screaming Citadel number two on it. Right. You know? It's not... I don't know. But it's still, there's no excuse. Yeah. I I don't know. I'm torn, because I like the idea of the crossover events, because I like crossovers. Mm -hmm. But maybe just the way that they're distributed could be better yeah i feel like it's the like after what do you call it it's like a side effect of old comic practices Mm -hmm. that's maybe like run into the modern era and maybe doesn't need to exist anymore Mm -hmm. so i don't know um but i really liked i I really liked the afro the first issue of fish arc of afro i thought it was really good yeah it's cute it's some of my favorite art in the Star Wars comics. Mm-hmm. Um, she really, and she kind of, you have the whole backstory with her dad and they reconcile a little bit. She gets her doctorate back. Yeah, that was pretty um, cute. Which is pretty funny. So that was like the main arc of There's the first bit. There's some real good gay stuff at the end. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which I guess the author got into trouble for. Yeah, well, uh, one of the editors or someone at Marvel was saying they got their first angry email about making Afra gay and that people were really let down because they thought she was flirting with Luke in um, Screaming Citadel. Wait, but no, that doesn't make any sense. Screaming Citadel came out after Afra number six. Yeah, but maybe the person only sent the email recently. Okay. So they read the Screaming Citadel first? Or they were just like they read them all at once. All right. Like, well, yeah, whatever. It doesn't matter when it was sent, but the person just recently got their first angry email about it, and then other people were upset because she can't also like boys because there's doesn't like you know people that doesn't exist. Um, um, I was I was glad that um, I was glad she said something because I was like, am I the only one who thinks this imperial officer is really fucking hot? <laughs> Yeah, that was funny how that was part of the story. Yeah. I don't really know what was up with her head. She was like What was up with her head? I don't know. Cyborg. Was she a cyborg? I guess that makes sense. Something like that. She was like a special Imperial officer. She didn't have a regular uniform. She had a fancy coat uniform. Yeah, she was like special forces. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Kind of like handsome older woman with gray hair kind of deal going on. I don't know if she was older. She just had gray hair. Maybe. I kind of assumed she was closer to, like, Afra's dad's age. Really? Yeah. I don't know. I, I think... I don't know. I would have pegged her as, like, 30s. Oh. Fair. I think she's around the same age as Afra. Because Afra's, like... Yeah, I don't know. Do you picture... So do you picture Afra being, like, closer to Han's age? Or is she closer to, like, Luke and Leia? How old is Han? Well, Han, well, 
I was assuming that they were sort of going with the, like, canon ages, because, like, Luke and Leia are 19 in A New Hope. Oh, weird. Yeah, and they were also, like, 19 in real life, but Harrison Ford was 30. Weird. Yeah. So, like, Han has always been, like, 10 years older than Luke and Leia. So that makes it really weird. Well, I don't know. That's just that's I don't know so what wait, their like canon ages are. Hans con can, Han Hans canon <laughs> Hans Can-ton. canon yeah. age. Yeah, there's three A's in there that yeah. are all different versions of A. <laughs> um, is like ten years older than Leia. Yeah, I mean, I and assume she's a, so. She's a teenager. Well, she's not a teenager when they get together. Like, in ESB, she's, right, like... three years later. She's, like, 22 or something. Yeah, it's acceptable. Um, but it was just go- just going by how old I, like, Han was in in real life. This might just be, like, showing my age, but, like, I assume Afra is like, 33. Yeah, see, that's, like, my default, too, though, because, like, we're also... In, in our, our 30s. 30s. <laughs> so it's like, sure. It was like when we saw Rogue One and we were like, yeah, it's nice that all these characters are at least in their 30s. And well, then like, we get no, the there's... visual dictionary and they're just 30-year-olds playing 21-year-olds. Yeah. So I weird. don't know how old these characters are supposed to be. Because she kind of comes across as a similar age to Luke. Well, really? I would say, maybe she? she's I in feel, between. Yeah, she like, calls him kid. Like, she does, yeah. I feel like oh, yeah. she's more like Han's age. Yeah. Actually, we can kind of track this, like, you know. Oh, yeah, because she was around during the Clone Wars when her mom died. Yeah. Yeah, she's probably around 30. She's probably around Han's age, because I'm also assuming Santa's around Han's age. Mm-hmm. And they dated, and they went to school together. Yeah. So I think they're all around the same age. And she remembers her mom... Dying in the dying Clone in Wars. Dying in the Clone Wars, like she was there. So she would have to girl. be. She'd have to be in her 30s. Mm-hmm. I don't know. She has a doctorate. I just assume she's a bit older. It's true. Yeah. It's a I, fake doctorate, shit, but still. Shit takes time. Yeah. True. Yeah, fair. Like, she went to college and stuff, so... Yeah. Like, it's like Han and Leia never went to college. Yeah, exactly. We don't know that. Maybe that's going to be the, the riveting twist of the new Han Solo movie. It's a college movie. <laughs> well, it kind of is, right? Like, the Imperial Academy? Spring Break. Wait, is that... Really? Well, I mean, the Imperial I, Academy's in that movie? I only assume that he's going to, like, meet Chewie or whatever. That he's, like, part of his whole arc would be him leaving the Academy. So I assume that the Academy is going to be in the movie. We've never had an Imperial Academy (laughs) movie. (laughs) If they do any Imperial Academy stuff uh, in that movie, it could turn me around on this movie. I would like to see some... Turn you right around, yes. I'd like to see some Imperial cadets in a movie. Wouldn't we all? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that'd be pretty good. Uh, how do you feel about the Screaming Citadel, the new issue? I didn't like the art. I liked the issue. Um, I thought the art was like okay. Art. Uh, I-, I liked a lot of the yeah the story content. Mm-hmm. It was Kieran Gillen again, too. He didn't write the second issue, but he was back on... Yeah, uh, issue three, and I liked it a lot. There like, was some really cute stuff. <laughs> I like how cute Luke and Afra are. Yeah, like I get why people ship them, but I think that's like disgusting. Don't ship Luke and Afra. Um, Luke but, is Pearson and rule too good for this world, and Afra is no good. She's bad, bad girl. But like, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, she's like no. It's just no. Yeah, don't do it. I, it's so cute. Like when when Luke They're calls cute. her his friend. Yeah, I was gonna say like yeah. you have this such this really cute moment where mm-hmm. Luke's like she's my friend and Afra's like that's cute that you think that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, but also kind of touched. Gen- yeah, she like, is. Gen- she's she genuinely is touched by it. Yeah, but part of it is that he's like this dumb puppy dog. Yeah, but he's cute. Yeah, so yeah. I don't know. She has this way of like in you know. She even calls the Wookiee adorable at one point. Mm-hmm. Like she she just is very like yeah throwing out compliments. I and don't she, know. I like the way she calls triple zero trip trip. Yeah, trip is good. Yeah, yeah. trip. Yeah, she's cute. She's like 
She's one of those characters who's constantly reminding you how terrible she is, both like but by she's... actual saying actually saying it, and also occasionally shooting you. Also, um, occasionally being terrible, but like occasionally being terrible. But she's like she's not that bad though. No, I wish I could. I feel like Han is worse. But like Han never tortures anybody, or like no, but he's like a sexual predator. Mm. Yes, true, <laughs> true. Like legit. Yeah, yeah true. For more info on that, you can watch the predatory sexuality of Harrison Ford video. Look it up on YouTube. Yeah. And the pop culture detective who we referenced in our Stormtrooper it's a really, Paradox It's episode. a really good video. Cool. Wink. <laughs> yeah. Well, they can't see me winking, so... No. Yeah, you have to say it. it. Um, I mean, she is kind of terrible. She's kind of legitimately terrible. But um, I wish... But she's also great, and I wish I had another character to compare her to, where it was like, you know, that character who's... Well, she's like a Hondo, like a worse Hondo. Characters who's, who's kind of always screwing you over, but they're so charming and funny. She's the anti-hero, like, you know? She's yeah. like the... I want to say she's like... And she's also kind of a lovable screw-up. Mm-hmm. She's kind of like the Spike yeah. of Star Wars. She's not even villain. as threatening as Spike. No, she's not actually, she's not a vampire or anything, Because right? you could get her on your team without a chip in her head. Yeah, you definitely You could can. just ask. And she's down. But yeah. she'll betray you. Yeah. But she's down. Mm-hmm. So, it's, uh, and like, she's so popular. Like, she's one of the most popular new characters. People so. love her. I yeah. think people love her, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know what the, the humans think. Well, the humans... Uh, are buying her comics. Well, that's so good. Yeah. She got her own comic series, so the humans must like her. Um, except that now uh, they revealed that she likes women, so, you know. Now, they, now, But they revealed... Like, I know. Aren't you reading Star Wars? They revealed like, that, like, 30 issues ago. I know. It was already implied. but It's pretty heavily implied. It's like the... A couple times. Now people who want to marry her feel like they can't marry her anymore. But, like, guys, sometimes, like, you know, sometimes people who like girls also like other people. Sometimes it's more than one. More than more than just the girls. Mm-hmm. Anyway. You still have a chance. <laughs> Fanboys. Yeah. It's okay. Um, so don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. Anyway. It was, yeah, some good issues. Except the cover promised Han Solo in restraints and that didn't happen <gasps> yeah unless well, maybe it happened off screen i could see where it would have happened off screen yeah it could have happened off screen it happened on the cover that was it hansel is looking pretty good in this comic Mm-hmm. i'm just saying usually i don't have any interest in hansel but like when he's possessed and he's kind of like vampire slave hansel yeah, there's gonna be that's what the next cover promised yeah, Vampire that, Slave Han Solo. That next, um, <laughs> that next comic issue looks pretty tempting. Except that, judging by the same logic of this cover, promising us restrained Han not going to get it. Not going to happen. Yeah. So who knows what hot, that hot issue vamp- is going to be. Hot vampire minion. Yeah. Can't say the word minion anymore without it. <laughs> I, just had, I just had the mental image of a vampire minion. <laughs> a hot vampire minion. <laughs> You stole our word. <laughs> I don't, I'm just trying to picture what a hot minion <laughs> that looks just like. Just a regular minion. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Anyway. <laughs> okay. I'm good. Um, I also appreciate that they're, like, they're trying to hit all the... Ch- the horror tropes you got like a yeah. kind of a werewolf frankenstein kind of situation yeah. with the black crystal going on yeah that was cool yeah i'm like just i want to see where it goes mm-hmm. i appreciate the fun that you're allowed to have with the comics mm-hmm. there's some um pretty good stuff with the uh vampire queen too yeah it's cool yeah the vampire there yeah the scene with han was like yeah where she just like Han gets captured. Han gets captured, and it was pretty hot. <laughs> so if you like horror, if you like vampires, if you like Afra, you should be reading this comic arc. It's worth. If you it. like any of those things, yeah. 
I feel like um, if I was to recommend some Star Wars comics, I would say read Vader mm-hmm. first, mm-hmm. and then read Afra, mm-hmm. and then if you still, and then read the Screaming Citadel. Yeah. And then if you still want more, you could go back and read the Star Wars. Yeah. That goes alongside it. It's kind of um, like the Rebel Jail arc is kind of worth it for There's setting act- up. I mean, I like all the Star Wars. Yeah. Like, I would. I guess it's it's better if you read them side by side mm-hmm. with with Vader. Yeah, I You're- think like Lando and Chewie and Princess Leia are sort of side stories, skippable that aren't aren't specifically related. And we haven't read Chewie and Lando yet. No. So, but I know they're they're not, they're not related to the main story. No, they're not. So. And even the Han Solo comic is pretty boring too. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I have the first trade of that. Oh, you can okay. read that. You could read that sometime. Yeah. Cool. Read, yeah. And then we got to read Ghost Prison, that Legends comic. That oh yeah, sounds awesome. That sounds pretty awesome. Did we talk about that? Uh, we did. Yes. Okay. So we're gonna talk about some a little bit of Clone Wars. Yep. So, we had a second part of a Zero the Hut episode, which was actually better than I expected. Actually, the, all of these episodes were better we than watched, I expected. We watched episodes 8, 9, 10 of season 3. Right. I believe. And the first one was Zero the Hut going back to Nalhada and meeting all the, like, you know, Hut families, leaders of the Hut the, families. The Godfather Huts mm-hmm. and the Bayou Huts. Yep. There's, like, they really like to play on the like cultural stereotype. Yeah. Like and not like real life ones, like movie ones. Yeah. Like the the leader of the huts had they all they had all had voices that were like parodies of Godfather characters. Yeah, like gangster mafia characters. Like I they mean, were specific though. Yeah. You know, like um the leader had the voice that was like the what's the Godfather. What's the guy? Oh, Don Corleone. Yeah, the, the Godfather. Godfather. Yeah, yeah. He had like a, it was like a parody of the Godfather. Yes, yeah. and then one of them had more like a twenties um, like Al Capone kind of. Yeah, they were all like gangster stereotypes. Mm-hmm. One of them had a mustache. One of them had a mustache. Yeah. One of them had a big space cigar. Yeah, classic. Um, and I mean, I guess sure. I don't yeah. know. Whatever. And then uh, Zero the Hut got double crossed by his girlfriend, Size Noodles. <laughs> so if, I mean, we knew this was coming. We heard about this. Yeah. That Size Noodles and uh, Zero. Zero are a thing. Yeah, I think they were a thing. Like, that was established already. Oh, was it? I think so. In one of the other oh, um, okay. episodes. And uh, he I got actually, killed. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't see that coming. They just straight up killed Zero the Hut, and that's the end of him. I actually kind of liked her. I don't know. She wasn't as bad as I was expecting. Mm-hmm. She was like one of the least offensive characters. Yeah, that's saying something for like the alien characters. Yeah, you know, she didn't play on any weird racial stereotypes. Mm-hmm. I mean, she had like her own. She sounded like, like Daisy Duck. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, like she did. She had like kind of a duck accent. It was because she, <laughs> duck accent. You yeah, know, I like know yeah, she's like a Ducktales character. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And she was kind of like you know, um, like a mob lounge singer archetype. Yeah, yeah. Um, and she ended up working. She was working for Jabba. Limp her. She's a limp lipped. Yeah, limp lipped uh, girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, that's what. It, Zero's mom calls her. Yeah, we met Zero the Hut's mom. And also, like, when Slice Noodles betrays Zero for Jabba, like, she's working sort of as a bounty hunter for Jabba, you're like, oh, yeah, that makes sense, because in that's where we see her singing yeah, in where she ends the up. cantina um, in Jabba's palace um, in uh, the movie, the original movies. But... In the special edition of the original movies, she's not in the, like, theatrical cut. Right, no. She's in the special editions. They added her afterwards. That was why they call them the special editions. Yeah. Size Noodles is special. She's the special. Yeah. Uh, They also introduced Quinlan Voss. Mm Mm-hmm. Who I know, because I've read 
dark disciple. Yeah, and I haven't met yet. And he was pretty much how he's described in the book. Makes sense. He's not a normal Jedi. He's a cool Jedi. (laughs) He's the Jedi. He's like rolls in on a skateboard with like some 90s glasses. And he says like, doesn't he say um, like dude or man or something? He's like, chill out, man. Oh, yeah. No, he has like a dude. There's like a like Big Lebowski reference. Yeah. What does he? It's like a line from. What does he say? Yeah, I can't like, remember the like classic one, or one of the classic ones. Yeah, yeah, I think he was like, "Well, that's just like your opinion, man." Oh yeah, man. that's it, or something. Yeah. yeah, he's like this laid back, cool Jedi mm-hmm. who is like he's got that like object memory power. I think it's called telemetry. Um, is that right? No, no it, that's something else. But yeah, there's a name for it. Yeah, there is. Um, where he touches something and, like, has memories of it. Yeah, like, what happened. But, like, I thought it was cool that they didn't establish that. Mm-hmm. They just implied what his power was. Mm-hmm. So maybe that'll come up later. I'm assuming he's in the show later. Yeah. Because there's a whole book about him. Yeah. I guess he was really popular, too. They clearly put a lot of effort into his model. Like, you could tell he wasn't going to die in that episode. <laughs> no. Not at all. Yeah. So he's kind of cool. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see, like his arc in Dark Disciple. After we're finished Clone Wars, we'll read Dark Disciple again for the book club. I feel like he doesn't really have an arc in Dark Disciple, but Ventress does. Hmm. That's cool. He kind of has an arc, but Ventress has a full character arc. Cool. The next uh, episodes of Clone Wars are Ventress episodes. I wonder if Oss will be in those. I wonder if he interacts with her before that book. I don't know. My instincts say no. Hmm. But maybe. Clone Wars is also leaving Netflix by next weekend. Oh no, what are we going to do? I don't know. Someone buy us all the DVDs of Uh, Clone Wars, please. Except not all of them, because we don't need before season three. We need all of them. Mm. Well, it probably comes in a box set. It does. You can get it for pretty cheap now, I think. Yeah. So, and then the next two episodes were like... um, Mm. Senate Appropriations Bill episodes? Senate Appropriation... And they sounded like they would be really boring. They were actually pretty good episodes. Yeah, like I, I took pictures of them to post on Twitter being like, oh, look, we're another another episode about politics and tra- yeah. trade agreements. But then they were actually pretty good. Yeah. And it, it's kind of funny, like, how arcane the politics does get, though. Like, it's so specific. And you're like, the, this cartoon using caucuses and... and uh, what's the other um constituents and like they're talking about banking deregulation and it's just kind of like a weird subject matter yeah um but they like break it up with like exciting action plots yeah there's pretty and it was just like generally pretty compelling like it it was very cohesive where some of the politics episodes are just like oh my god this is it was a bit heavy-handed at times yeah but i didn't find it boring Mm -hmm. um and yeah, Ahsoka had a new character model with a shirt. Yeah, and she looked like she looked older. Yeah, um, it was a good. It's a good new character model. Anakin also has a new character model. I think so. Yeah, I don't. But it's like hard for me to pinpoint when it changed. Yeah, Anakin hasn't been in the show for a few episodes. Yeah, and he has new hair in this episode. Yeah, yeah, they weren't. They were pretty good for Clone Wars episodes. I thought, I think it is getting better. Like, yeah. I mean... Slowly, like, there's still some stinkers. Like, yeah. there's, there's still some episodes which are, like, pretty bad. But, like, overall, it is getting better. And in that episode with Zero the Hut, there were a couple of moments where, like, we broke down laughing about how it was, like, I hate this show. <laughs> like, just, like, what were oh some, What God. were some of those moments? Well, I mean, they just had the terrible... Um, like all the weird gangster huts, and then yeah, Zero's mom was a weird character. Zero's too. mom was the worst, I think. And it, it was just like I don't even want to talk about it. Yeah, there's just a lot of things in the show that are questionable. So yeah, but like yeah, there's a couple times I, I forget what it was where you were just like I fucking hate this show. <laughs> yeah. Like. <laughs> I can't remember what it was. It was in a moment where it was just so in character for for the Clone Wars. Like, yeah. God, this show is a parody of itself sometimes. It definitely is. Um, 
Yeah. It's very, um, we were sort of talking about too, we've talked about this on the podcast before, that episode was really, or, yeah, those couple episodes about the, like, caucus deliberations in the Senate were very, like, you can really feel the, like, Iraq War timeline. You can definitely um, Yeah. Where uh, a lot of the politics of the prequels came out of the sort of Bush 2 era. And um, you yeah. can really feel that in a lot of these Clone Wars episodes. So. Definitely. So then it came up. It'd be interesting to see, like, what they would do with a, that kind of politics now. Like, if the Clone Wars was made now... Right, Rebel, kind of Rebels tone? doesn't really... No, Rebels isn't there's really no political. There's no politics in Rebels. Yeah. But yeah, there's so much politics in Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, it's hard not to incorporate the politics of the time. Yeah. Because the show is about politics. Yeah. And, like, that was... That was, I mean, the prequels are about politics. So... Yeah. It's interesting to see... Uh, like, it's it's it almost feels frustrating because you know... That no matter how hard any of these characters work over these six seasons, you know that nothing is going to work for them. You know how this ends. And you know that uh, Palpatine is actually working with Dooku to undermine the whole thing. It's kind of depressing because it's just so inevitable. Just the war doesn't end until Palpatine says it ends. Until he can make an empire. Pretty much. Yeah. One of the things I really appreciate about this show, and I kind of you see it a lot in the Senate scenes, is is how consistent the um, background cast is. Yeah, that's true. So, so like they don't have for the Senate, they don't have stock senators. Mm-hmm. Every senator specific, mm-hmm. um, and they they've established probably twenty senators. Yeah, in different minor, minor roles, and like instead of even if they don't have lines, like they'll still use them in the background or mm-hmm. in crowd scenes where they are like talking amongst themselves. I liked how we saw Mon Mothma in the crowd on one of the other episodes. She was walking. Mon Mothma by. was there. Yeah, yeah. She just like walks by, and yeah. I, like that's something just from like having worked in TV. Mm-hmm. Like that's rare. Mm-hmm. That, that that sort of detail would be there. Like, instead of using a generic senator, they'll use a specific character. Mm-hmm. And it's not like she sticks out. It's not, yeah. it's not like your eye goes directly to her, but if you're, like, paying attention, you're like, oh, I know who that is. Yeah, it's cool. Um, but, yeah, there's, like, I think there must be at least two dozen senators. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe more. And, like, it's the same with, like, the Jedi or, like, the clones, like... Or not really the clones, but, like, the... There's like they established this wide variety mm-hmm. of characters, and when you're in the Jedi Hall, you might see Barris in the background. Yeah, um, I kind of wish they had done more of that with Rebels, where yeah, like especially they with, don't do any of it with Rebels. No, and like the Imperials and stuff are always like it's like there's that one episode, the callous focused episode, oh, yeah, where you have all of all of the Imperials we've ever seen. Mm-hmm show but i mean they're not in the background yeah you actually see them and like i guess we can't tell any of them apart because they're all that same boy with no face but um, but they're increasingly changing man rebels um but i think especially around like the phoenix base yeah is that what they call it whatever chopper base yeah chopper base like it would be cooler you know you could see wedge in the background you could see ap5 in the background like a lot of those minor, or like Iron Squadron in the background. A lot, yeah. a lot of those characters that we know like work at the base. It would be cool to see them in the background, um, as like a little Easter egg. Yeah, but because Wedge isn't in it very much. Yeah, and like where's Hobby? We don't where's see Hobby. Hob- is that, where's Hobby? Yeah, we need more Hobby. That's what <laughs> Rebels needs. Yeah, season four hashtag where's Hobby? I wouldn't be surprised. We'll probably find out where Hobby is. We should. I guess, like, all the people who are big fans of the um, X-Wing series uh, were, you know, would be excited for Hobby. I've heard. Yeah, I've heard he's pretty exciting. Mm-hmm. Riveting. <laughs> um, anything else about Clone Wars? No. To talk about? No. There is that funny stuff that happened where Ahsoka... Um, oh, Yeah! 
Ahsoka and the boy. Ahsoka met this boy on a separatist planet, which was basically separatist Canada. He really was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was cool to see, like, our own culture being parodied. <laughs> yeah, they had kind of a, like, Canadian was- Senate building and they had um a guy with like a montreal accent yeah yeah or, or not like a quebecois, yeah, accent. quebecois accent it was pretty good and then we were like oh yeah this is kind of and it's then kind of a canada yeah and there was this boy uh who's like the son of one of padme's old friends and uh you know when ahsoka showed up he was like whoa and she was like oh teenage boys like she like she, has a she actually of, made that noise yeah. yeah and like he tried to help her with her bags and she like makes this face at him and is like ew gross he was kind um, of gross yeah i mean he didn't really do anything terrible no um but uh by the end of the episode she's like maybe you're not so bad yeah but then like don't you find out that him and his mom died yes yeah nice yeah Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, Space Canada. Speaking of teenage boys and moms who died, that's a good segue to the next book that we're talking, the finale of our book. Yeah, Rebel Rising, Beth Revis, the last quarter of Jin Erso's sad, woeful tale. <sighs> wow. The so sadful ballad of Jin Erso. So uh, what happens in this quarter of the book? So, when we last left our hero, her whole family died. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. After, after spending 100 pages establishing a new family for Jen. Yep. They just die. Mm-hmm. And then she's left by herself, mourning them. Mm-hmm. Um... And she gets stuck in a place called Five Points. Yeah, it was it. It reminded me a lot. I had to actually look up to make sure it wasn't the same place as that first um, space station in Rogue One, like where Cassian was. Oh yeah, because it's it like a similar name, similar kind yeah. of um, similar place, like described really similarly. Yeah. So kind of like a seedy um, spaceport with like, you know. And Lots she of rough characters. Yeah, it was pretty rough and tumble. Like the whole this whole sequ it's like a hundred pages of her making deals to get yeah. to get out of shady situations and getting fucked over. Yep. And it happens about four times. Yep. Um so she makes a deal with an Imperial officer mm-hmm. to get off the station. She does some forgeries and then she gets caught by the one that that by the like casino manager or whatever yep. who the officer's trying to foil yeah and then she gets stuck on a sla- slaver ship to pay that off yeah and then she frees some slaves mm-hmm. and then she has to ditch the ship yeah and then later on she's like that ship leads her to do another forgery job for the imperials for the imperials and then she gets fucked over and then she finally ends up in jail yep <clears throat> it was rough it was really rough. This sequence was really rough, and um, it just like all the rest of it just goes wrong for and, like Jin or so. I guess as a whole, this book has a really weird arc. Yeah, um, I really like this book, but it's like not. I feel like it's not a complete story unless you have read Cataclysm and um, Rogue One. Mm. It doesn't really feel like its own story. No, it's definitely one part of a, one small part of a big whole. It's kind of a letdown. Okay, so here's one of the arcs that I want to talk about with this book. So in the second and third parts especially... Um, she sort of goes out of her way to establish Jin's antipathy towards the Empire and the Rebellion. Agreed. You know, where she Jin feels caught between the, the Empire and the Rebels and is like, sort of reiterates over and over if the Empire and if the Rebels could just like, fuck stop off. Stop with this Rebellion. Yeah. And if the Empire could just leave the Outer Rim, like leave everybody alone, then 
it would just be all right. And these, like, because both of these factions have kind of fucked her over. Yep. Um, and she sort of considers Saw not part of the, like, Rebel Alliance Rebellion, but, like, Saw's a rebel. And, like, she doesn't know about the, like, Rebel Alliance at this point. So pretty much everyone is just rebels. And she's like, rebels suck. And the Empire sucks. And this whole thing is the worst. And I just want to go out into the Outer Rim and I, I wanted to have a nice family. And then, so, because I, I kept thinking about this when I was reading this section was like, that doesn't make me feel great about Rogue One because <laughs> you're like, wow. So then she gets sucked back into it and they're like, come on, we'll strong arm you into doing this job for us. She does find her dad, but then she's like, okay, I'll join the rebellion one last time and die for it. You know, like it, it just felt like, wow, this is the last thing this person wants at this point, right? Like she does not want to be involved in this shit anymore. But then the epilogue turns that all around because the epilogue is her, is like the opening scene of Rogue One where she gets brought to the rebellion and she's like, got some flames of hope and like, <laughs> you know, all that shit. So you're like, okay. So you're you're on board again now? Okay. I guess so. But I just... And then I was kind of like, maybe it's good that you did die. Because you deserve to rest. Yeah. And, like, that's kind of the takeaway that I got from the end of this book. Was, like, maybe you deserved a break, Jin or so. And you can be with your family in the Force now. Because your life was not good. I feel like this book went along with, like, Rogue One is a train wreck. Yeah. And this book went a long way to making me care more about the train wreck. Mm-hmm. Like, it explains <clears throat> a lot more. It sets up that character and makes me care about her. And it kind of makes me see why she would make the decision she makes. Yeah. Um, But it's like, there's no way to change Rogue One. So you can't make her story good like you you can't fix that no without fanfic yes um so i feel like this book did the best it could Mm -hmm. to like give her an interesting character arc in the story Mm -hmm. where like she goes from you know in this book she gets fucked over in a lot of ways and then like I guess her arc in Rogue One, if it if it was more fleshed out, would, yeah. would be like, maybe there is something worth fighting for, mm-hmm. and it's my dad. Yeah, and my new friends. My new friends, and like, you know, was something. Yeah. I don't know, something like that. Yeah. And and she and it's like there's a the scene where she meets Cassian at the end of the book where. He also looks friendly. She's like, he's got a nice face. He looks nice. <laughs> and, like, that's also what Baze says about Cassian. Oh, you yeah? Know? So, well, he says, you know, he's got the face of a friend. Face of a friend. Face of a friend. He does. And I think they kind of had to point that out with Diego Luna, who does have the face of a friend. And he's supposed to be, you know, he's this, like, hardened assassin character, but he looks, like, pretty friendly. So, yeah. you know, they have to comment on that in the narrative. But, yeah, it was like... <clears throat> it the book has a bleak ending because of course she ends up in prison but then I guess it doesn't because the epilogue she gets rescued by the rebellion but then it goes right into Rogue One which like it's a hellstorm it is a hellstorm I, I was, it just made me feel it, it gave me like flashbacks to when I saw it in the theater for the first time <laughs> are you okay? yeah I'm fine but I was like remembering that kind of just like shell-shocked sort of like hollowness that I felt at the end of that movie where I was just like really did that just happen did they really do that they did that to me they did that to all of us um and this book was like a lot of that it was just like emotional blow after blow um yeah it was just more more Rogue One yeah yeah but I mean I like I liked it I liked it too. Yeah, 
I I care about this character now. Mm-hmm. I'm really sad that, I mean, they probably didn't have this plot before she wrote this book, like this sort of code forging thing, like Jin sort of like... Yeah, it made a lot of sense. It was, it did make a lot of sense, and it was really cool, and of course, we know she was arrested for uh, forgery, but um, I'm sad that we didn't get to see any aspect of that character in the movie. She was yeah. just a shooty man's, you know? Yeah. But, yeah. It was a good book. It was a good, like, Jin Ursa was a pretty flat character in that movie, and you didn't really understand what her motivations were. No. Nope. And I think... Uh, I think this goes a long way mm-hmm. towards sort of, you know, giving that, flesh, yeah. fleshing it out. Yeah. And the author was really good, mm-hmm. and we've mentioned a couple times just, like, her... The way she hooks up all of the books and makes it feel integrated was really masterful. Yeah. Um, so just, like, the way it's written was really good, too. Mm-hmm. What, what would you give it out of mm. five hmm. regular rating, not cutie rating? Okay. Um, probably a four. I would give it a four, too. Yeah. It would be if you liked Rogue One or... If you really like Rogue One, this is a five. Yeah. Or yeah. even if you like Rogue One. I think, yeah. This it, is like... As a tie-in to Rogue One, I think it would be highly recommended for you I think Rogue One fans. Requ- yeah, required yeah. reading alongside Catalyst mm-hmm. if you're going to go into Rogue One. Yeah. You've got to have Galen or so feelings, Lyra or so feelings. So what's the reading order? Okay. Catalyst. Catalyst. Rogue One. Rogue One. Then Rebel Rising? Hmm. Or do we catalyst Rebel Rising Rogue One? Like where you don't treat it as a pre like you treat it as like Yeah, I think I a, might I think I might actually recommend that. Yeah. Cause it would be cool to now I sometime this week maybe I'll watch Rogue One. See how it affects you. Yeah, I'd like to watch Rogue One again. Cause the thing with Catalyst that was so great is you ca- you then had feelings about Lyra, Galen, and Krennic. That's why I think it's really important to read Catalyst before mm-hmm. you see the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you read this, and then you have feelings about Saw and Jin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and her feelings towards Galen and yeah, Lyra. I think that's... And then you watch the movie, and then you're like, whoa. Combo meal. Yeah. 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 And then everybody dies, and you're devastated. And you're like, why? <laughs> then you're like, why would you do this to me? Why did I have to read all these you books? You go and on then... archive of your own. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Make your own ending. Yeah. So I can't even do that, you know. I really? can't. I can't read any of the fix it because it just, it just makes me sad. Yeah. It just. Fair. Uh, yeah. Um. What about cutie rating? It was pretty cute. I'm tempted to give it like a. Because it was really endearing. Hmm. I might give it like a four and a half. Yeah. Just was like all the romance stuff was like good, which is hard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to make not not gross stuff yeah. like that. But it's like also there's a lot of really depressing oh, stuff yeah. in this book. So. There's a lot of depressing stuff, but there's a lot yeah. of really adorable scenes between characters. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of cute side characters. Mm-hmm. A lot of cute moments with Jin. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of cute stuff here. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good trifecta. The Catalyst, Rogue One, Rebel Rising. And they're all really well integrated. Mm-hmm. I feel like. Um, or you could even read the Rogue One book. Yeah, yeah. Like, this is the three like books. watch the Rogue One movie and then read the books after. Yeah. If you want. Because the Rogue One novel, like we talked about before, like also, also adds really a- added Oh, that was a- another piece of news I had that I forgot to mention. Ooh. Apparently... The Rogue One comic adaptation adds a lot of scenes to Rogue One. Oh, cool. That were not in the movie or the book. Now, I noticed there's one scene from the Rogue One comic. You know this. Yeah, yeah. that contradicts Rebel Rising. Which, what I've heard is Rebel Rising takes priority. Okay. Like, the books take priority over the comics. Right. Movies, books, comics. Okay, that makes sense. So don't, so they're the, like, don't worry about it. Yeah, the scene that contradicts is that there's a scene in the Rogue One comic, which is a flashback to Saw Gerrera arguing with Bail Organa yeah. in, at Rebel Alliance headquarters, and Baby Jin and Baby Leia are there. Yeah. 
And we know from Rebel Rising that not only does Jin never go to the Rebel Alliance with Saw, but we don't even know if Saw does. Like, we don't see that while he's with Jin. Yeah, it wouldn't make sense within the context of Rebel Rising. Yeah, so that that's, like, maybe an assumption somebody has. It's like an AU. Yeah. It's a cute AU. It is a cute AU. That would have been a better life for Jin or so. Wow. So. Yeah, it was... Uh, it's bleak, but it's also a quick read mm-hmm. in a cute-sized book, mm-hmm. um, and a pretty cheap book, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like fifteen or twenty dollars. I kind of want to read Catalyst again. Like, that's it. that's one of the ones that um, I wouldn't mind reading again because I haven't. We read it, of course, before Rogue One. Yeah. So I'd like to. I remember bringing it on vacation again and. Having some Galen and Krennic feelings, and but directly after this next week, we're gonna read Guardian Guardians of the Will. I don't know why I keep fucking up the name. I don't know. It's literally right in front of it. <laughs> yeah, Guardians of the Wills. Yep, by Greg Ruka. And I think we're just gonna read all of. It's pretty short, so mm-hmm. we're just gonna read all of it, and we'll discuss the entire book next week. Yep. So if you want to, we have we just stopped giving spoiler warnings, haven't we? Uh, yes, we have. I guess we're probably going to have new listeners who don't know that, by default, all the sections should, like, be considered spoiler warnings, so I guess we should I'm sure remember to say that. I'm but. sure it's fine. Okay. But yeah. and So yeah, if you want to read along with us, you can read that next week, and then after that, I think we're going to start Twilight Company? Yeah, we got to read Battlefield Twilight Company because the new Battlefield, or Battlefront, sorry, Battlefront Twilight Company because Battlefront Inferno Squad comes out at the end of July. So we're going to read Twilight Company first yeah. so that we can have the first Battlefront book leading into the second one, even though I know they're not related. But I've heard it's a good book. Mm-hmm. So we could read that and then... And then we'll be very close to having read all of the new canon books. Yeah, we'll only have we'll have Lords of the Sith, and we have that other dumb Luke one, Dark Disciple, right? And Heir to the Jedi. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. So, okay. We will be caught up soon. We yeah. I mean, we don't. I don't think any of those books are essentials, but we'll read Guardians of the Wills, and then after that, I'm pretty sure there's a there's basically a new book every month after that. I am so pumped for um, the From a Certain Point of View, the like 40th anniversary. Yeah. That's one of them. That's coming up pretty soon, right? I think it's not till October, November. Okay. But but yeah, I know like for, there's pretty much for the rest of the year, there's like six books or something. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what is your most anticipated book? So oh. we've got uh, Inferno Squad. From a certain point of view. From a certain point of view, Phasma, Young Leia, and is there another one? Is that it? I think that's it. Okay. What's what's your most anticipated one? Probably from a certain point of view. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, just because there's a lot of interesting authors. Yeah. And I want to see what they do. Yeah. Um, but besides that, probably Young Leia. Yeah, another Claudia Gray book is like another highly Claudia, anticipated. It's just the author, mm-hmm. mostly not necessarily the subject matter. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, and then maybe after that, Phasma. Yeah, yeah. I just realized that Phasma, Young Leia, and um, Inferno Squad are all written by female authors. This, oh uh, yeah, that's cool. And they all have female main characters. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Star Wars is pretty cool, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to all of them, but I think, like, Young Leia, because it's Claudia Gray, is got to be yeah, up there for Yeah, and me. I'm looking forward to the new Christy Gold. I'm looking forward to all of them, mm-hmm. just because, like, uh, they're authors I like or their subject matter that I like. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot to look forward to. Mm-hmm. And season, th- season four of Rebels starts in September. It's not that far away. No. So. Yeah. Cool. Lots of stuff to look forward to. Lots of stuff to look forward to. Wow, are we at an hour already? Yeah. I guess that's probably about wrapped up. Yeah, I don't think I have anything else to say. Cool. Well, 
go enjoy the book. Read Guardians of the World. It's only like ten dollars. Mm-hmm. It's really cute. Such a cute little book. I'm all for these like tiny books. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. Very cute. Okay, it was a good week. Nobody died. Except for all the characters in Rogue One. Again and again, forever and ever, a million years. <laughs> If you'd like to find more stuff about Star Wars from me and Jamie, you can check out our website at imperialhearts.com or tweet at us at imperial underscore hearts. If you'd like to help support the show, you can rate or review us on iTunes or you can contribute to our Patreon at patreon.com slash imperialhearts. Special thanks to patrons Ryan and Zach for helping us meet our first funding goals. The music used in this podcast is clips from the song Barbarian by Pierre Lowe. This podcast is not endorsed in any way by the Disney Company or Lucasfilm Limited. It is intended for entertainment purposes only, and all Star Wars people, names, and places, and anything else, is copyright of Disney and their respective copyright and trademark holders. The ship of the week is Jenner So and a good life. Think about it. <laughs>